The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I am Brandon, and this is my companion, Steve-on. Hello. This series of Old Space Show follows the intergalactic swashbuckling escape annex of Raj Blake and his ruffian crew in the first season of Blake's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Today, we are discussing the sixth episode Seek hyphen, locate hyphen, destroy. Callie is captured by the Federation when Blake and his crew destroy its communication center and steal the cipher system. Old rival, Space Commander Travis, is ordered to seek, locate, and destroy Blake, and he plans to use Callie. As bait. Veer Lorimer uh, returns to direct this. He did he did Cygnus Alpha previously. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, uh, take a knee for Terry Nation here, um, the credited writer. And uh, starring Gareth Thomas, Sally Nivette, Paul Darrow, Jan Chappell, Michael Keating, David Jackson, Jacqueline Pierce, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Grief, Peter Miles, Ian Cullen, and the voice of Peter Tuddenham as Zen. So, two big things happen this episode. Servalan and Travis. Yeah. The most sci-fi name of all time. <laughs> Travis. I mean this this is the beginning of Blake 7 isn't yes. it? Let's face mm-hmm. it. This mm-hmm. is it. This is episode 1. You if you I like I like uh the first one I like Spacefall a lot but if you had to like say where would you start with Blake 7? Boom. Barnabas is- Collins just showed up to, <laughs> to <laughs> <Yeah>. Dark Shadows. <laughs> it's just it's prototypical. It's what I what was so kind of frustrating about the past two weeks, um, where we said that it's kind of been you know spinning its wheels a little bit, mm-hmm. is that the the episodes have to sort of happen at the pace that it happens to the crew of the Liberator, which means episodes seem to take a while to sort of get going because there's nothing to sort of cut back to and in an alternate storyline there's always just sort of random event on the on the liberator and then other event that's also on the liberator starting with this episode we now have a proper villain a in Servalan yeah. and a face to the villain so that we can have scenes with Servalan to to intercut with stuff that's happening on the Liberator, and it brings it brings a face to the villain, and uh, and what a face, what a performance, what an iconic image uh, to have this um, glamorous yet sadistic female leader of the Federation uh, in Jacqueline Pierce with short hair as she always has throughout mm-hmm. the entire run, which is magnificent. Um, my, it's just, it just, it just felt like an entirely different show. Did seek, locate, destroy. It felt like an entire. It honestly, I, I asked, I asked, um, 
uh, the Twitter account making Blake Seven, who's uh, who's been very uh, chronicling the history of, of Blake Seven on and off throughout throughout the years on Twitter, and is very much a big Blake Seven fan, obviously. And I asked him, when was this episode? conceived and made and it was conceived in 1976 and made to uh, like December of 1977 the reason I asked that is because you can almost start to feel Star Wars creeping in into uh, the yeah. the in, into the influences and maybe not quite in the storyline but just there's a lot more action there's a there's a you know sort of rebels breaking into the base sort of thing like there's this feels kind of like the dirty dozen meets Star Wars a little bit it gets a little more Star Warsy as the, as the season goes along but I feel like this is kind of the start of that that sort of approach to what kind of science fiction show this is going to be right and um get yeah, the Travis being all kind of in, in black with his face covered a bit. Right. Um, definitely can kind of feel that way. Um, and yeah, they, they give this gives it a little more, uh, you know, it gives a face to the Federation, the villain that's going to be around. Uh, I, I think a, a big bad. And then you get the, the Travis character, which adds some personal stakes and a sort of like wild card element to Blake Seven because he's. While he works for the Federation, he's kind of out for his own. His only loyalty seems to be, you know, throughout the series, seems to be more towards, like, Serverland's the only one who can really talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. But um, he's definitely a, his own element as well that helps helps through here uh, with the personal history with Blake. Yeah. I uh, Two things about that that I like. I like that we hear, like... Um, the the one officer who used to be friends with uh, with Servaland, but then comes to her sort of like saying like uh, you're reinstating Travis. Mm-hmm. Understand that no one wants to be around that guy anymore because we all hate him. We find this out before we're actually introduced to them, which is perfect. You know his mm-hmm. his his reputation literally literally precedes him. Yes. Um, uh, oddly enough, I feel like. Uh, Brian Croucher sort of matches the sort of uh, history, uh, like the sort of character that is being talked up more than perhaps Stephen Grease for Terrell, but we'll right. save that for another day. Um, and secondly, and this is this is what I love about uh, older television in in that we see Blake tell us and Bob tell the, the crew of the Liberator basically his origin story with Travis because he thought mm-hmm. he killed him many years ago but he hadn't and he sort of goes you know boom and he tells him the story and then I, I shot him I swore he died if that was made today there would be a flashback scene right and which would be wrong because uh, you know Blake assumed that he killed Travis, but he was obviously wrong. If we were to see that as a flashback scene, we could see, obviously, that he was wrong, but we sort of have to trust Blake's word on it. And it's just one camera pushing in on him as he tells this this story. And I find that much more effective than some cheesy flashback uh, would have ever ever showed. I actually noted that this scene, like, I love the way it was. You're 100% right. It would have been flashback. We might have even had a full episode on the the day it happened. Uh, it would have been the yeah. ne- it would have been the, the penultimate been. episode of a Netflix Blake Seven series. Yeah, because it's always the flashback in episode nine of ten or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, uh, but the, the way they did it, so it starts with Travis telling a story, and then as he's telling it, it pans over to and behind Travis. There's a screen, and it has a, a still image of Blake on there, mm-hmm. and it pans over to the image of him. And then Blake's voice takes over while that st- still image is there, and then we fade over to Blake on the ship, and then it cuts in, and then it does the zoom thing, telling the whole story where everyone's around him. It's really engaging for how simple 
the camera work is just it's the choreography of it all which you know come up probably on set not like really too much post-production because why would they have filmed both if you weren't going to intercut them like that yeah um just the way they the way it played out the way like super engaging and you're just like you're drawn in i was like that was really clever because you you he's talking about blake the image is behind him you pour over here Blake is now on the screen, so his voice comes in to segue it over to him on the Liberator, finishing off the story they, of these two guys telling their history, handing it off to one another. I thought that was really awesome. It was a, it was a fact. There were there. Were, I mean, it's directed by Vera Lorimer, who is okay, uh, but there are elements, especially action scenes, action scenes where I feel he doesn't do the job right, and I kind of wish that we would have seen Blake's reaction to it. Uh, to Travis being mentioned yeah. uh, on screen. We don't. We hear him say it, and Everett says, do you recognize that name? And then it cuts to Blake. And I wish that the conversation had been on Gareth Thomas at that point, the camera, and then it, we hear it from off camera, even talking about him, whoever it was, and then we see Blake snap up and react. I think that would have had a little bit more punch. It was a good scene, true. but I think it had been tweaked and made a little bit better. Yeah, true, 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 true. All, all, all good, all good points there. Yeah, this, um, but yeah, Vera Lormer, yeah, yeah, director or not, this, I think, you know, the, there's just a lot of strengths in this episode to overcome whatever he's lacking because it's just, um, <laughs> well, I, there's a lot of great stuff. There's a, there's a break into the base, which is, is very I love exciting. how it starts. We start. Boom, mid-mission. It starts it. Yeah, exactly. A previous Blake 7 episode, we'd be, they'd be rubbing, they'd be showing off their new outfits on the bridge of the library. <laughs> they'd be talking about things that we, let's do this, okay, let's do a long, laborious, here's how we operate the teleport sort of thing, that going on. No, boom, you're down, you're in. Winter clothing in. already on, I'm loving Winter it. Winter clothing already on. We, we as a viewer don't quite even know, understand what this place is, mm-hmm. so we have to sort of get, we have find out about it as the scene goes along. Uh, they break in. Finally, also, not only do we have, uh, you know, faces to uh, the Federation in, in, in Servaland and, and Travis, but we have Federation scientists and uh, communications officers and guards who take their masks off at some point. Yeah. So, like, it's so effective just to have someone to actually focus on as opposed to just random extras. We can actually see who these people are. And I think that's so effective. And then there's a great sequence where, you know, where they break in and they have to like hold up people and they put the charges on and everything. And then all of a sudden Callie's uh, stuck there and it's going to blow up and everything's like, oh my God, this is like, and it's, it's, it's a really, that's just like the first half of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's pretty awesome. And we also get the other, um, if you don't have a rock quarry, uh, a power station or something is another good place to <laughs> film is British our, science this fiction. Is our, this is our second power station in yeah. six episodes of Blake 7. So that, that establishes something that we will not see the end of anytime soon. Very true. Uh, yeah, and all of them have different color-coordinated winter outfits. They're the same yep. outfit, just different colors. Yep, um, yep. And you know we get snappy lines from Avon uh, right away. Someone said Avon's right, and he goes, "I usually am." <laughs> it's great. Teleporting is different too. It's wavy. There's no outline. There was. I know. I, I I can't tell if that was just a directorial thing. If they hadn't quite landed on how this is going to be made yet, or maybe they decided to change it. Vera Lorimer mm-hmm. says, "Ah, we're going to do it this way this time." Which you know, I understand how TV works. Sometimes back in those days, right. it's like, "How are we going to make the TARDIS to breathe?" Ah, it's going to do this this time. What do we do? What do you think about that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no. There's no Bible. 
uh, for the set or anything like that. But you know, it's part of the fun with it too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like as you mentioned, Callie gets they steal this cipher machine. Is they they take a big uh, cooler to steal a cipher. Yep. Um, we get to see a lot of Villa in in action, uh, picking locks and hacking or carving into you know panels and stuff. Right. Uh, but Callie gets a lot left behind, as you said. But like, there's the cold decision made by Blake. Like, all right, well, we're leaving here behind. Yep. Like, what can you do? We can't go back in. You know, they're gonna the security's gonna be swarming. She's probably Whoa. dead. You know, you know. We and thus gotta... we shall be Blake six once again <laughs> until we find another seven somewhere. Yeah, uh, but then we, then we get to go to meet these faces of the Federation at the the Space Command, and it's a giant big wheel in space. I love it. I love uh, the design. Yep. It's so recognizable. There's a slow pan across mm-hmm. at this massive giant wheel, and it's yeah, it's a it's a great space station design. Yeah, um, and uh, and Serverland just immediately, if you didn't know who Jacqueline Pierce was before, you'll never forget her now because she just no. eats it up. I see, yeah, but she's honestly, it's funny, like knowing what to expect later on in this series from Jacqueline Pierce, mm-hmm. she it's a very muted performance from her. It's oh, like, yeah. she, you know, you could tell that there's there's evil and, and deceitfulness in there, but uh, but she's nowhere near as camped up as she'll get. And uh, it's fascinating to see the journey that she takes in that role. Right. And she's just the type of person that's like, I don't know if the good guys can beat her because she seems like she always wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like she you know, might... she's competent. You yeah. know, she's not a cackling villain. She's a competent leader mm-hmm. by the looks of it, uh, who obviously commands respect and some terror from people under her. Uh, apart from tra- even Travis, sort of like you know, is kind of like kind of cowtows to her a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he, he tries to come off as this like a uh, you know this renegade uh, soldier with uh, with an eye patch and stuff. But uh, you know what? No, he. He knows what lines not to cross, and that line is Servalan. Yeah, he, he and Blake. He's just a man backed by a handful of criminals, extremely lucky to evade capture so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she, uh, yeah, she would. Oh, for Doctor Who people, she would appear in the two Doctors, which I talked about um, a couple years ago on Old mm-hmm. Space Show for nice. season twenty-two. Uh, so you might recognize that where they put a wig on her in that one, though. Um, but, um, yeah, there's a big, I I love this thing with the debate that they're having about him becoming a legend. Like that's, that's a problem. Like it's not Mm -hmm. about what, what he's doing. It's about how people, um, react, respond, or it gets around the galaxy. Like he's building a following. They say, I don't know how they haven't really done much like in these couple episodes we've seen right uh all they did was escape um but uh, yeah so she's like you know what? i'm just gonna put some guy out and then his only job is to kill him so there it, you go it's it's basically blake seven becomes robin hood you know uh mm-hmm. serverland being the sheriff of nottingham sending out the guy uh guy of gisburn yeah. uh in the form of travis to go find robin hood in the form of blake because they're they're, they're rousing the rabble right now with their their tales of uh, you know breaking into communications uh centers and blowing up you know escaping from federation starships they're as you say they're becoming a bit of a legend amongst the populace and uh yeah it, it, you know i compared that like maybe this the star wars vacation sort of happening this show but right now right. it's robin hood it's robin yeah. hood in space you know that that child molester might be up to good. <laughs> yeah. 
They said yeah. on the news. Uh, so yeah, uh, Travis has a plan. Well, he goes down to visit um, the place where they just took the cipher from. Uh, he has a plan to like get him back because they they find Kelly and he's him. There he is. One reliable flaw: loyalty. Um, so he wants to keep her alive. So um, they can get the code, and they don't. They could change the codes for the cipher, but he's like, "Don't do it." Like he's like, "Don't do it." You know, we're gonna trick him into coming back here. But mm-hmm. there, there's a a glorious CSO lab shot. Um, during Travis, when he's telling right. him this guy what's going on, I was like, "Oh." Okay, for a lab, but yeah, I know it's like he appears like in a circle in the wall. Which mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, like it's supposed to be like a view screen or something, or is he like in his mind? I wasn't sure what was going on, but I thought I admired it. I admired it. Yeah, because yeah, it's, we have tel- we have telepaths here, so it's not going to yeah. be the first episode at all. Uh, but yeah, so the, this plan goes awry for Travis. Is Blake's already there? He's like a trick I learned from you. I got here first. Yeah. So um, on film, on film, a scene mm-hmm. on film. Uh, yeah. I I'm not sure why there. This is this is another bit of Vera Lorimer complaint that I have is that he, uh, for some reason, seems to edit around the important bits bits of the action sequence because you know there's an earlier part where like a guard gets shot or something like that, but we don't see the shot. We just sort of see the after effect. In this scene, it's like he hits. Travis's hand and it sort of starts to explode but we cut away really quick and it like we don't really see the explosion it, it's his action scenes are edited mm. strangely for Veer Lorimer episodes from now on watch how the action scenes are edited and tell me if that's just a weird thing no I, uh, yeah it, I'll take a look yeah it seems odd to me and these are just sort of the things that, uh, that always seem to be happening so there are there are, there are elements of that uh, it, it seemed choppy that last sequence when it was on film choppy I'm not sure why it was on film but odd choice and angles for some of the things that would look cooler if they would uh, yeah yeah I there's like Travis with his laser hand. Yeah, because Travis, Travis has a modified body because he, and like he's got this huge eye patchish thing on his yep. head. But apparently he could have been healed up, but he chose to go like that. And then he's got a fake hand that has a laser on it, but it's like a ring or something. Yeah, it looks it, like it's got like a laser, a special flash cube ring or something like that that uh, also acts as a laser or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Blake outsmarts him. He tries to like, you know, it's like they get in a head to head. But Blake had a great line, uh, which reminded me of the the Mad Men one of like, I don't, I don't think about you at all. But he said, you don't matter enough to kill Travis. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. But then Travis tries to laser him, and they shoot yeah that it just hit his hand hit his hand. well that that hurt a little bit but Ouch. uh yeah, <laughs> yeah callie steals his gun um they get away and and then uh yeah travis has this uh run run as far as you and fast as you like i'll find you you can't hide from me i'm your death blake <laughs> it's a it's a great line uh when but when you know what's coming it just feels like Blake, you know, Blake sort of continually outwits, outwits right. Travis. So it's like, it's diminishing effect each time he sort of comes up with these like departing, you know, I'll get you next time, gadget, you know, that yes. sort of thing. And it's like, yes. uh, will you though? Will you though, Travis? I'm okay. not sure. Try again. Yeah. yeah. He becomes, yeah, he would, you know, they kind of use Travis in like a same way uh, every, every season. But you know, so like this, in modern TV times, Travis would have been like this ruthless villain in like for one season and then they you would have like brought him back later as a, to a lesser quality serving mm. a different master maybe 
helping out or being more of a a, a joke type right. person because like you know you only last that cool and bad for one season if you're a bit like. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but there's a character not, named not really no. There's a character named Spike with the bad. He looked like Billy Idol as a vampire. It's like the baddest guy in season two, and then you know he gets defeated or whatever, and he comes back for other seasons, but he's kind of a joke, and he ends up slowly becoming a good guy. But like that, you know, I've seen it in other shows too, where you know there's this early villain that's like just the baddest guy, but there's always something worse that comes along later. Mm-hmm. Um, but gets used traditionally but travis is rather status quo a lot of the time the stuff will happen to him he'll have his own arcs but yeah yeah and, and well well we'll see what happens in season two when it comes to right. <laughs> when it comes to travis and how much he evolves and changes in true, between true. the two seasons too true true um but yeah uh, so this yeah this one moves along it's got stuff it's engaging uh, yeah new characters are great um they'll be around They'll stick around for us. So, um, yeah, this is definitely, and more Serverland the better. Like, it's a yeah, great villain. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know if they realize what they had in, uh, in Serverland when they, cause like I said, she's kind of, she kind of starts quieter here. Um, uh, but uh, they, you know, they really grow the character as the season goes, as the series goes along. And, uh, I I don't know if they thought oh she's going to be great and she's going to turn into this massive crazy camp villain or, or what because mm-hmm. uh, um, and if if they did that's awesome and if they didn't well done to realizing the potential of the character and the actor playing that she character. almost is the show herself like at times like it is just like yeah that you you hope she appears in as many episodes as you can get yeah with with absolutely her, so. yeah because she because you know with Travis to sort of do her dirty work. You know, it, she is not really foiled. Like she can win without, you know, she can lose without winning and win without losing. If that and that makes any sense, it's Travis who's always the fall guy. Travis is the one who has failed, um, but that doesn't necessarily upset Serverland's entire plan, which is the you know which keeps her being the the uh, the strong villain that she is because her she's still president of the Federation. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there there are they're in no more danger of toppling the the federation at the end of an episode even though Blake seems to have won that skirmish than anything. Travis is the only one who's sort of put out, but Serverland is still well in control of the whole situation. Yeah. And that's Sir- what makes her a credible villain. She's in it for the long game. She knows she's going to lose a battle here or there, but as long as yeah. at the end she gets what she's coming for. Yeah, that's totally her game. And you can see it in her performance. It's great. It's just mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, she is definitely different in this episode. She's very cool, cold as ice type thing and then she'll she'll get bigger as it goes on but i love every moment of it so yeah absolutely um but yeah so steven that'll uh that'll wrap us on this one the show has begun <laughs> six episodes in we get our first episode it's pretty great all right so uh of course um before we go uh let people know where you can they can find you share your information Yes, find me on Twitter at Legopolis. Uh, I don't talk too much about Blake 7, but maybe I will now that I'm on a podcast about it. Uh, I'm also on Radio Free Scarrow, uh, Lazy Doctor Who, and the Memory Cheats talking about Doctor Who all the time. All right, and I'm on, t- well, uh, for, for right now, we're keeping score, uh, hashtag Blake1Travis0. Uh, <laughs> 
And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at brand 4 kuhc written work at whysoblue.com. There's more from the Brand Peter Show next Monday, I believe. Yep, we will be running the commentary for the 1955 film noir film, Kiss Me Deadly. So tune in for that and come back here for all new Old Space Show on Wednesday with Stephen and I talking more. Blake's uh, Roman numeral VII. If it takes all my life, I will destroy you, Blake. I will destroy you. I will destroy you. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.